This is the Non-Microwave Truth brought to you by Time of Grace, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Some people are like, C.L.? No, C.L. What does that stand for, though? You have to go back and listen to some episodes, because I definitely told you. Maybe it was in the 30s or the 40s, episode 30-something, episode 40-something. I don't know. You got to go back and listen to them all. But let's get into our first world problem question today. We are still in the month of June, still in the month of June. And for some people, this is celebrated as Pride Month and people have different parades and picnics, parties, all type of stuff, concerts with the idea of celebrating lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, all that type of stuff. Now, with this, there are churches that sometimes, let's say it's a state fair, will go out there with like a booth and then pass out flyers attempting or telling them about the love of Jesus. Because it is true and best believe Jesus died for those sins just like he died for the sins of a man looking at that woman in the sundress and saying, oh my goodness, look at all of that. And lusting. Both are wrong. Now, the question that I have for you is, one, do you think that's like a good place or do you think that's something that we as Christians should be doing? Like we definitely should be telling people about the love of Jesus. But do you think that's like the place and the time and the way to do it? And I really wonder, has anyone had success or had good conversations when doing that, like posting up a booth, passing out flyers about Jesus while you're at Pride Fest. And I don't think, I don't know if they're necessarily telling them exactly like, you know, homosexuality is a sin, but I just wonder what type of feedback have they gotten for that? And then also with that first word problem question, it's almost like, well, where do you stop? Because what if all of a sudden pastors or a bunch of dudes like, you know what, we're going to go to the strip club and we're going to pass out flyers and they're going to have Matthew 5 verse 28 on it. And we're really not going to go in the strip club. We're just going to be right outside the strip club and we're going to pass out flyers to people as they walking in. Mess around and see some members of the church going in there. Ooh, can you imagine though? Comedians will have a field day with that type of material. Or let's say someone from your church was like, you know what? Let's set up a booth right outside the buffet because people eat too much. And then we're going to put Ezekiel 16 verse 49 on there. Or we can put the passage Philippians 3 verse 19 that says their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And if you wonder what's that Ezekiel passage I was talking about that says now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Or what about setting up a booth like right outside a bar? A bar that you hear a lot of people get drunk at. And you have like the Bible passage, Galatians 5 verse 21 on there. Like, is this just a bad idea? Is there a specific place we should be trying to reach people? And should we be trying to reach them? I don't want to say in their element, but yeah, in their element, in their sin or wrongdoing that they're possibly going to be doing right before it? Or is it a better place? That's our first world problem question today. Like, where should we do this at or should we not do it at all? And definitely, if you have done this before, I would really love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter to tell me the feedback that you got or maybe some success stories you have gotten from actually doing it. 
and my handle is championlife23. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of this episode today is I Can't Say It. And I just got to ask you a question right away. When is the last time you said I was wrong? You know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, this is a good one. When's the last time you said, you are right and I am wrong? Ooh, ooh. Or how about this? I wasn't good enough. That's why I got cut. What? You mean it wasn't politics or favoritism or some crazy stuff? Nope. I just wasn't good enough. Man, and I'm telling you, a lot of people cannot admit when they're wrong. And that, my friends, is why this episode is titled, I Can't Say It. Because that's the mentality that we all have at times, but some people have more than others. Like, I can't say it. Like, I can't admit that I was wrong. I can't say I'm sorry. I definitely can't say you were right and I was wrong. I might be able to say, you know, I was, I kind of was off, but most people cannot say, you know what? Your idea was better. You know what? You're right. I'm wrong. No, no, they can't do it. And I'll admit, I have a little bit of a problem with this, but I'm telling you, boy, you get married. I got to get used to saying, hey, babe, I was wrong. I'm sorry. All those type of phrases. My fault. My bad. Like, yep. And I never forget the dude that I met at the furniture store. He was like, hey, I'm going to tell you something, young man. He said, hey, some just want to be right and some just want to be happy. Which one are you? And what I took away from that is, do you know how many things wouldn't even be an issue or you end up fussing and cussing about if one of the people or both just admitted and said, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. My fault. My bad. And on this episode of I Can't Say It, why is that the case? I know a lot of students I deal with, they kind of have this philosophy or mindset like if Joe wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have done this. Man, I've seen parents defend and justify wrong way too much. Like kids messing up doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Is that breaking news for some of you? Just because your kid messed up doesn't mean you're a bad parent. But every once in a while it does. But that is going to be, that needs to be like a whole other episode. But what are the reasons why people don't want to admit they're wrong or say, I'm sorry, or something of that nature. And I'm going to give you some reasons on why people can't say it. First one being, they think and they look at the situation and like, the other person was wrong, and they actually were. Like, they were 100% wrong. But then that's when we get into the case where it's like, all right, they were 90% wrong, but you definitely are 10% wrong. But they're like, you know what, I'm not going to admit that. But God holds us accountable for our part not someone else's and two wrongs don't make it right it just makes two people wrong the second reason is we can't see outside of ourselves like we are actually oblivious it's like sometimes we have on shades and then people are like you know it's daytime you're like no it's nighttime and it's like dude take off the shades and yeah sometimes our angle or how we're viewing or where we're viewing it from is just all jacked up And this kind of goes into the next point, which is we use the reason of our feelings 
and our past history to justify us being wrong. It's kind of like, this is how I always handle stuff or this is how I feel. Okay, a baby who hits and kicks and screams and that's the way that they usually handle situations doesn't make it right. And adults do the same thing. And what's crazy is when adults do this and they actually kind of get their way or they get away with it, they start to think that it was okay or that it is okay. And it's like, nah, that's, you still look crazy. You're still acting like a little baby. And that leads us to our fourth reason on why I can't say it. People can't say I'm sorry is at times we get catered to our feelings or get catered to to a point where the door for what's right and wrong has moved. Like all of a sudden what we think or what we once knew is right or wrong, that has completely changed. Like our moral code is now jacked and messed up and jaded. On to the fifth point, though. Some people think that saying I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I messed up, it will kill their worth. Like they have too much value in that thing, in that philosophy, in that idea, in that point. And they don't want to appear or we don't want to appear weak or we think we might lose someone or something when we admit that we were wrong or we messed up. And then another reason why people can't say it, don't say it, is because they just think they can get away with it. And it's kind of like a thrill to see if they can get away with it. And I'm telling you, all of us have been guilty of one of these reasons at some point in time. Some of us are guilty right now of this. And that's what we got to do. We got to do a little soul searching. Holy Spirit, let us know. Convict us if it's true. And just real quick, think about this. Think about a relationship that you have at home. Think about a relationship that you have at work or school. And just ask yourself, when is the last time you said, I'm sorry, or I was wrong? And if you were to think about a relationship that is severely damaged in your life or a relationship that's pretty much non-existence and you once were tight with that person or a group of people, why is that? It's most likely due to the fact that someone could not say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And make the changes necessary. Let's get into the Bible, though. I want to look at Ananias and Sapphira. This comes from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, these are some people who sold some property. And it appears that Ananias and his wife had lied to the disciples and said, you know, we're giving you everything. Like we sold this whole entire property and we're giving you all the money. That's what it appears. And the disciple that's specifically mentioned is Peter. Now, just in chapter four of Acts, they were talking about how all of the believers, all of the people were sharing their possessions. And it was a beautiful thing. And it gave special notice to a man named Barnabas. And it said that his name meant son of encouragement. In verse 37 of chapter four, it says that he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles feet like and just think about that. Do you see how much land is going for today? Picture you owning a nice chunk of land, you selling it and you going and giving it all to the church. Woo, that's some guap. That's a nice little chunk of change. And it seems as though Barnabas gave him all of that chunk of change. Now, I came to this conclusion or I have a guess that Ananias and Sapphira, they were possibly trying to get like 
some special attention and get special respect or admiration. The same type of admiration and respect that Barnabas got, but it doesn't go that way. Because it says in verse 3 that Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Peter is pretty much telling them, Ananias, you didn't have to lie to kick it. In verse 5, it says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. And what a great application point this is. The application point is stop jacking. Stop comparing to other people, especially when you want the same type of attention as them, but you also don't want to give the same amount that they have given. And a lot of times that's just the wrong motive anyways. And what really gets me, I know this has to annoy you too, is people that volunteer lies like, I didn't even ask you, why did you volunteer that lie? And sometimes I call people out and then sometimes it's like, man, I don't even have the energy and the time to call you out on your lie, but I still don't get why you lied. Like you had no reason to lie. I didn't even ask you this question. And you just volunteered to lie. Like I look like I have boo-boo food written on my forehead. But I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast, they are not in this boat at all. But I do think you are probably in the same boat as me. And what I thought about, like, how would this apply to me? What's something that I might not tell the truth about or might not be completely honest about? And I was thinking about, like, you know, what about fudge and numbers for taxes? And we can easily justify that. Like the government owes me. Didn't Biden say he was going to cancel student loans? My 401 is in the tank. Or you know what? My money in the stock market is going bye-bye. Gas is $5 a gallon. The government owes me. And we justify it because we're like, well, who's really going to know? And they owe me. Like, they're not holding up their end of the bargain. So because they're not holding up their end of the bargain, it's okay for me to be wrong. We never say, like, it's okay for me to be wrong. But we say something like, it's okay for me to get what is rightfully supposed to be mine or come in my way anyway. But let's get back into Acts. In verse 7, it says, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, he said, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? And she answered, like, yeah, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And I almost made this a first world problem question. And the question would have been of what would have happened if they wouldn't have lied? And they just would have been like, Peter, we messed up. Or if Sapphira would have been like, yeah, we didn't really tell the truth. I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I have truly sinned. Like, what would have happened? And I don't have a good answer for that. But I can tell you this. When you double down on being wrong, it's not going to get any better. It is without a doubt going to get worse. So maybe the husband would have died. And maybe not the wife. 
But I don't know. I don't know if anyone can say they know, except, of course, Jesus. But with any type of certainty, what would happen if they didn't double down and continue to lie? Or especially, I should say, Sapphira. Because it seems Ananias was a little farther off because it says he was full of, of Satan. Not full of Satan, but that Satan had filled his heart. Did you see that? I, I was just wrong. And I had to admit that. See, I can say it. I told you I could. And I also realized I probably need to chill out because I am quick to call someone an Ananias and Sapphira when I feel like they're lying. But I don't want anybody just to all of a sudden drop down and die. But I'm like, dude, stop jacking. Stop lying. God might, you better be glad God doesn't do us like he did them back then. And if you feel like you couldn't relate to Ananias and Sapphira, I bet you can relate to King Saul. King Saul was, he should be called a king excuse because he stayed making excuses. Looking at 1 Samuel chapter 15, King Saul was supposed to kill a certain king. He was supposed to wipe out a nation. He was supposed to kill all their cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys. But he was like that oblivious, um, I'm going to do what I feel is best. This is too valuable to do it a different way. And I can get away with it. And we have to take a look at verse 13. Which is funny because Saul goes and sees Samuel and he's like, hey, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. And Samuel was like, what? Like, bro, wait a minute. Dude, I hear sheep. Dude, I hear cattle. Like, what? what is that? And then Saul's like, oh, yeah, yeah. The soldiers, they brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best sheep and the best cattle. But wait, wait, wait. Listen, listen. This is why they did it. They did it because we're going to sacrifice it to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest, bro. We got rid of everything else, but we just kept the best. And we're going to give it to God. Samuel's like, enough. And I'm paraphrasing again. But Samuel's like, dude, that's enough, man. Isn't it better to be obedient to God than to try to make him happy with some burnt offerings and sacrifices that he said he did not want? And it wasn't until Samuel said, you know what? You will no longer be king and you are rejected as king. Not until then did Saul say, oh, I have sinned. And we're a lot like Saul in the regards that if we think something or we feel it and we're like, oh, that that makes it right. But if it goes against God's word, we still wrong then. Point blank, period. But then I look at the great apostle Paul in the New Testament who admits that he was wrong. And on this episode of I Can't Say It, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 13, Paul says this. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. He admitted that he was horrible before he knew God. He was trash. He was trash before he knew Jesus. That's the same boat that I'm in. That's the same boat that you are in. But we have that mercy. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't have Jesus showing up to me telling me that I'm wrong. But you do, as a believer in Christ, have the Holy Spirit who's sometimes punching you in the gut or sometimes steering you this way and letting you know, like, hey, you're wrong. Don't ignore that. That's a blessing. Or how about my man, King David? In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David, King David admits he was wrong. This is when he ended up having that whole affair, scandal, murder, but it took someone else telling him that he was wrong. And the prophet Nathan, he painted this whole entire picture of someone else. Like he took David out of the situation and he talked about it like it was a different person. And that's a great application point for us. When we take ourselves out of the picture 
And I want you just to think about this. Like there will be times where they're like, I don't know if I did the right thing, right? I did or didn't do the right thing. Let's say you tell a wise person, an, an honest person, and you don't give names and you just say, hey, this is what happened. This is this. This is the situation. Don't tell them who did what or that you did a particular thing and just see what they say. And how many people like they can't stand someone. But then when you think about it, they do the exact same thing as the person or the people that they can't stand. So really, they can't stand themselves, but they're blind to it. Are you blind to it? I can't stand people that don't work out. But then I'm lazy and don't want to maintain and keep the maintenance of my house or apartment. I can't stand people that play the victim in this way, but yet you play the victim in that way. But you can't see it. You literally can't see it. And sometimes we can't say it because we simply can't see it. And the thing we learn from King David is we just have to take ourselves out of the situation and look at it from a different lens, look at it from a different view. And in verse 13 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, David said to Nathan, he said, man, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied to him, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. And that just reminds us that, man, there are consequences to sin. But when you look at all the things that King David had done, God was beyond gracious and merciful to him. And still on this episode of I Can't Say It, you might be wondering, like, why should you admit when you are wrong? Why should you admit your fault? Why should you admit your sins? And it's like you can't move past it a lot of times because you haven't admitted it. You can't be healed. And it actually like makes you dumb. It literally makes you dumb at times when you are trying to justify or stick up for something that is wrong. In James 5, verse 16, it tells us, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. I'm going to go with a different version. It says your false steps, your offenses and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or a believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power or man. Look at first John one verse eight. It tells us why we should admit that we're wrong. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. This is where I was talking about it, it makes you dumb. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And on this episode of I Can't Say It, I'm going to wrap this up. It's going to be short, sweet and to the point. First thing first, check yourself. Are you one of the people that are like, man, I can't say it or are in denial or put way too much worth and value in being right when you really were wrong? But here's the non-microwave truth. Admitting you're wrong, it keeps us from rejecting God's mercy and love. And it keeps us from being prideful. It keeps us growing. And it keeps us able to make positive changes. It keeps us seen, appreciating, and eager. It makes us eager to want to be in God's presence because we are not hiding from God's grace. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of I Can't Say It. And I hope now you can say it. I'm sorry. My bad. I was wrong.
I have sent because it's already paid for and you're good. And if you're looking for more resources to help you stay spiritually connected this summer, definitely check out timeofgrace.org. Bunch of different things you can look up on there. Different podcasts like Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson or Grace Talks, which you can look at on YouTube. But just go check out the website. I guarantee if you click on topics or just something on the home screen is going to pop up that you're like, ooh, what's that? And then you click on it and bada bing, bada boom, you're in there. But you get the picture. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. They know the drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.